Well, good morning, church, and welcome to this wonderful fall Sunday. Uh, I certainly love this time of the year. Uh, I love the fall season. It, uh, as you know, I'm a huge college football fan, so it just uh, marks the beginning of college football, and it's always fun for us. And even our Dallas Cowboys have started back, so uh, I hope that we're going to have a great fall here together. You know that uh, our theme for the fall of 2021, we announced it last Sunday morning, is what do you believe? And we're going to spend these next two months just walking through, trying to answer that question. And as I shared with you last Sunday morning, we began with just this, this big conversation. And it is really going to be a two-month-long conversation, and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you. If you want to just read through the various topics or look at some of the resources, you can go to my website, www.thesacramentaljourney.org, and you can find resources. You can click on the tab for 2021, and it will give you the outline for this sermon series over the next two months. So we began last Sunday morning by asking the question, what do you believe about belief? And today's question is, what do you believe about truth? Now these, these two sermons, last Sunday's and today's, actually serve as the, as the foundation, if you will. I guess is the best way to put it. It is, it is preparing us for the conversation that we're going to have because we're going to, we're going to ask questions about our belief as it relates to various issues that I think are important for us to address in our contemporary society. But before we do that, I want us to address these two fundamental sermons, if you will, to just lay the groundwork. So today's question is, what do you believe about truth? And the text is a very short one, a very familiar one to you. It's found in John 8. Um, it's a, it's a, a very powerful page in our Bibles. I'm going to ask you to, to stand with me if you don't mind. We usually stand whenever we hear the gospel read here at our church. And so this gospel reading comes from John 8. This page is where Jesus is sharing some very crucial information with the Pharisees about the nature of his identity. He actually boldly declares to them and claims to be eternal. He says it before Abraham even was, I am. So this is, a, this is a pivotal page in our Bibles. But with respect to our conversation today about truth, look at John 8, verse 31, where John shares this message. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Thank you. You may be seated. As I said, uh, last Sunday morning we began this conversation and I shared with you about the, the necessity, really, the importance and the obligation, the responsibility we all have to develop a worldview. So I offered you a couple of, of uh, definitions last Sunday about worldview. Let me share one other one with you this morning. This one is from Dr. John Newport in his book, Life's Ultimate Questions, where Dr. Newport has written a worldview defined in simple terms, is a concept which includes all dimensions of reality, from the existing individual to the universe itself. The worldview of a person or a group is that which brings integration, a comprehensive interpretation to life. I love that statement. It's where we integrate everything we know, if you will, and comprehensively interpret life. 
Worldview includes a sense of meaning and value, principles of action. It is much more than merely an outlook or an attitude. A worldview is is fundamental to our understanding of reality. Uh, the, the image I would offer you is, is, is it's like the lenses that we focus all of reality through. It brings reality into focus, if you will. And so every one of us, we have an obligation, responsibility to develop and cultivate a worldview. So I want to encourage you in that journey. And so these first two messages are really about that. And then we will continue this conversation for the next two months. But today, I want us to think about truth. There's another conversation that's recorded in John's gospel, and it comes toward the end of John's gospel where Jesus is is having this, this conversation with Pilate. And in John 18, Pilate says this, you're a, you're a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. So Jesus says, I, I came as a, as a living witness to the truth. And then Jesus says this, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. But then here's the question that has just reverberated throughout the halls of history ever since this man asked it. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. What is truth? Pontius Pilate asked. What a, what a profound question. I would contend that truth can be hard to find these days. We live in an era of skepticism, of polarization, of opinion. In fact, there, there are some people who trust their own opinion more than they do actual facts. We have, we have a hard time discerning truth in our society today. Pew Research has just released this survey, 64% of adults in America say they struggle to discern truth whenever they listen to our elected officials. 48% of adults in America say they struggle to discern truth whenever they're reading social media. 41% say that they struggle to recognize truth when they're watching or listening to cable news. The Barna Group, <clears throat> actually refers to the era in which we live now as the post-truth world. 35% of Americans no longer, uh, I mean, only 35% of Americans rather believe in absolute truth. 44% of American adults say that truth is always relative. Interesting, isn't it? Truth. I almost feel like I can hear Jack Nicholson screaming at my culture right now. You can't handle the truth. In some ways, that's how it feels to me. Mark Twain said one time that a lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is still putting on its shoes. Well, truth, though, is something we're still concerned about, isn't it? You know, if, 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 if any of you have been called upon to testify in a courtroom in America... You're asked to raise your right hand and, and do what? You're, you're asked a question, right? Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth? 
the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God is sometimes added. And so even though we, we evidently seem to struggle with what we believe about it, it's still relevant. It, it, it still matters. In one of his essays, Aldous Huxley has written, facts do not cease to exist just because they are ignored. So with that said, I, I want us to have a conversation this morning. What do you believe? Let's continue it. How do, you, how do you construct this worldview? How do you, how do you develop these lenses through which you're going to be able to, to see everything? How are you going to answer all of these deep questions about life? How are you not just going to answer questions about life? How are you going to live your life in a way that's consistent with truth? These are, these are significant and meaningful issues that we all need to address. And so this morning, here's where I want us to start. I think that the place to begin is with this fundamental issue. There's a, there's a fundamental question that we have to answer as we try to begin to cultivate and develop our own worldview so that we can really act and live in accordance with the truth. What is that fundamental question? It has to do with the source of truth. And here's the question, is it reason or revelation? Reason or revelation? That is the, that's the foundational question for every human being. If, if you were studying philosophy and trying to deal with this particular question, then academically it, it falls in the field of epistemology. In other words, it's the study of knowledge. But, but I would contend that this, this question is, is something that shouldn't just be reserved for the academics and just dealt with in the academy. It's, it's more than an academic question. It's a, it's a question for the marketplace. It's a, it's a question for Monday through Saturday in Arlington, Texas. What is your ultimate source of truth? Is it reason or is it revelation? In other words, ultimate reality. How do you arrive at understanding ultimate reality? How do you, how do you know what is actually ultimately true and what really matters in this world? Do you discover that simply through human reason and it's restricted to this materialistic universe? Or is there another path? Is there another option? So it's ultimate meaning only found through truth that's been revealed by God himself. It's two completely different perspectives, two different foundational answers. Now, now, now don't mishear me. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I don't believe in in reason and rational thought. I'm not discounting that. Rather, what I'm doing is categorizing the source of truth itself. Is truth found ultimately in the universe itself, in the materialistic universe, or is there someone behind all of this universe that we are able to perceive and sense? Well, let me answer that question for you this morning um, definitively <laughs> from my perspective as a Christian. Here's what I would say. As Christians... We believe the ultimate source of truth is in the revelation of an almighty, personal, and purposeful God. In other words, we don't believe that ultimate reality can be understood just by exploring the materialistic universe. We don't believe that it's, it's just human reasoning connected to just this materialistic uh, universe in which we live. 
We don't believe you can find ultimate meaning there. We believe as Christians that God has revealed himself and he is the source of all truth and the only way to know and discover ultimate truth, the only way to truly understand and experience ultimate meaning, the only way to make sense of all of reality is to discover your true purpose by acknowledging him. So this is foundational to our understanding as Christians, to building a biblical worldview as Christians. So we believe there is absolute truth. We believe there is ultimate truth. True, all truth is not just relative. There is known truth and there is also falsehood. The reason that we can believe that is because underneath all of this is God. God is the one who is behind it all. He's the one that's underneath it all. So truth actually matters in this universe. And so guess what? The laws of truth work. The reason the laws of truth work is because God created a world that's not chaotic. He created a world of consistency. So there's truth and falsehood that, that, that can exist together and both be true. The opposite of truth is falsehood. The opposite of falsehood is truth. So the laws of truth work. So that's why those who study epistemology can even do it in the first place, even if they don't believe in God, because the laws actually work. Well, what are the laws of of truth or the things like correspondence. Philosophers talk about the law of correspondence. I mean, something is true because it corresponds with reality. You know, you could say, well, uh, I believe that Austin is the capital of Alabama. Well, you could say that, but it's not true. It doesn't, it doesn't correspond with reality. Now, I believe the Rangers are going to win the World Series this year. Well, I start out every year with that hope. But that statement does not correspond with reality. I believe that Auburn is going to win the national championship. Now, now, now hold on, stay tuned. We'll, we'll see, okay? So the law of correspondence, truth means that, that, that what you say, what you believe actually is consistent with, it corresponds to reality. The law of coherence, the law of consistency that these things fit into already acknowledged truths well, all of that actually works because we believe that God is the one who's behind all of this. So, the source of truth for a Christian is revelation. It's the revelation of God himself as God has chosen to reveal himself as the source of everything that really is. So now, here's what I want to do this morning, if I may. I want to take just a few minutes and just walk through how I have constructed a biblical worldview how many others have done it, and how I want to encourage you to do it based upon the fact that we believe that the ultimate source of truth is the revelation of God himself. So what does that mean? How is that played out as I'm trying to build these lenses through which I'm going to understand everything around me, answer the deepest questions of my life as a human being? Well, let me, let me just walk you through it. Here's what I would say. I'm going to give you a series of statements that I believe grow out of this commitment and to and conviction that revelation of God is the source of all truth. First of all, the material world is neither divine nor uncreated. So we don't worship the material world. The material world is not the object of our worship. We also don't believe that it is random. We don't believe it offers ultimate reality for us and doesn't answer the ultimate answers in the universe. We also don't believe that it's uncreated. 
We believe that it's, there's someone behind it, someone who is transcendent, someone who is beyond it. So the material world, it's not to be worshiped. It's not uncreated. Also, God exists and he is a free agent. What I mean by that is, is that we believe that God simply is. He exists independently of his creation. He simply is without beginning or end. He is not in creation, we're not pantheists, but God has revealed himself there. The answer that we have discovered in a relationship with God is that we believe God exists independently of his creation, and we believe that God is sovereign, he's a free agent. In other words, he does what he chooses. But also, God is both great and good. The God of the universe is a glorious, powerful, majestic God. He is great indeed, but he also is good. He has revealed himself to be a God of a certain character, if you will. And so the God that we believe in is the great and glorious God who's created everything that is, but he's also a good God. And so he is a God who expresses himself through goodness. And God is in control of his creation. This, this universe that we are experiencing with our senses, it is not just this, this random expression, if you will, this combination of, of unique gases and, and basic core elements. We actually believe it is, it is the result of the creative activity of God, the God of the Bible, and that God actually controls his creation. Creation is in his hands. It is, it is not just this random purposelessness existence or entity. It actually has a purposeful existence. And then human beings. God has uniquely designed human beings to live purposefully in his creation. And so that means that, that human beings, each one of us, we've been created in the image of God. And therefore, we have value. We are, we are moral agents. We have an active role to play in God's universe because God has designed us uniquely, separately, different from all the rest of creation. Every human being has intrinsic value simply by existing. They bear the image of God. They, re, they have the potential to reflect the glory of God and so human beings have great value. And then as Christians, we also believe something else if, if, as we're constructing this biblical worldview. We believe that God communicates personally with human beings in ways that are comprehensible and coherent with his intentions. God, the God of the universe, we believe is the God of the Bible. And, and the God of the Bible is a God who is active in history. He, he, is, he is not to be discovered just through these philosophical statements, through, through these suppositions, if you will. We believe that the God of the Bible is a personal God. He is, he's particular, if you will, in how he reveals himself. God calls people. When you, when you read the story of the Bible, the Bible's a very personal story. It's not just a collection of philosophical platitudes. It reveals an actual story, an unfolding drama in history. One of the things that's unique about us as Christians is that we believe that God has revealed himself that way. 
and we can comprehend his wisdom and his direction because he's a personal God. He calls people, like he called Abram, to, to leave his home and find his way into a land that God would promise him. And then as we watch Abraham's journey unfold in, this, in the pages of Scripture, we find ourselves in that story. We become children of Abraham, the New Testament teaches us. And we have the opportunity to live our lives under God's direction, where God communicates with us, and he leads us, and he guides us, and he blesses us. And so... One of the unique perspectives that we bring to, to this conversation about ultimate sources of truth and reality is we believe that this God of the universe is a personal and loving God. And he has created us in his image, which means we have a, an opportunity and the potential to have a relationship with him personally so that we can know him and experience his presence in our everyday lives. So it's a, it's a powerful, beautiful statement about the personal nature of God and how he works in history. We also believe that God has responded to humanity's plight redemptively. Because as we look at our world as Christians, we acknowledge that the world is broken, that the world is, is fallen. There's something amiss. The, the, the things that should be sometimes aren't. The things that should not be sometimes are. And it puzzles us, and we recognize that something has gone awry. And it's our understanding through the teaching of the Scripture is that what's gone awry is that human beings have sinned against God. And they have fallen short of God's glory, God's expectation. They've fallen short of their potential to even bear God's image and reflect His glory in this world. But remember, God is not just great, He's good. And so he's responded to our plight redemptively. He has expressed his love toward us because he is a personal God. And that means that the answer for us is for ultimate meaning is found in that relationship with him, restored to where that brokenness in our own lives can be forgiven. And we can be reclaimed, if you will, by a God who loves us. And we can have a relationship with him. So as we're beginning this, as we're constructing this biblical worldview, all of that is actually connected to the fundamental conviction that the source of truth is actually God himself and his revelation of who he is to all of us. Now, how has God done that? How has God revealed himself? Well, he's revealed himself through his world, through his spirit, his word and the word. God has not cloaked himself uh, in, in complete absolute mystery, even though he is beyond us and his ways are not our ways. He is God and not man, the Bible says, but he's made himself known. And because he's made himself known, well, now we can understand truth the source of all truth. And we can experience him personally. Well, how has God done it? Well, he's revealed himself through his world. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse one, that the heavens declare the glory of God. Paul tells us in, in Romans one, beginning in verse 20, Paul says, God's invisible attributes, the, the things about God that really make God who he really is. He says they're on display in God's creation. 
so that you're without excuse, he says. In other words, if you, if you see creation, you don't worship creation because we don't believe creation is divine or uncreated, obviously. So we don't worship it, but Paul says it points us to something. It points us to someone beyond it, and God's invisible qualities are on display there. But God's revealed himself through his spirit. His spirit present in the very beginning as the spirit of God was hovering over the deep and then creation occurs and God's spirit begins to be revealed and ultimately Jesus promises us in John 14 verse 17, John says this, I mean Jesus says the spirit of truth is coming. I'm gonna give you the spirit, the spirit of truth. And Jesus goes on to say in John 16 verse 13, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. So what do I believe about truth? Well, I believe truth rests in the revelation of God himself and his spirit is actually the spirit of truth and he guides us into all truth. God reveals himself through his word. We, we as Christians, we believe that the scripture is, is holy. We believe that it is God breathed. It is, it's inspired. It's the actual revelation of God himself. This is God's clear message to us. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. It's the spirit of God that we, we recognize as, is woven into the fabric of the biblical witness. Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of God is alive. It's, it's active, it's dynamic. Isaiah 55, verse one, God says, my, my, my word will not return to me void. Isaiah 40, verse 11, God's word endures forever, even if the flower fades and the grass withers. So God's revealed himself through his world, through his spirit, through his word, but, but he has fully revealed himself through the word. And that's why you and I can know truth today, the word. John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then verse 14, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we beheld His glory. So the Word, Hebrews 1, what about Jesus? God in these last days has spoken to us, the writer of Hebrews says, through His Son. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of God's being, God's image so the image of God, the glory of God on display fully in Jesus. That's why Jesus makes this bold statement in John 14, verse six. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And there's no way to the Father except through me. So what do we believe about truth? Well, here's what we believe about truth. Believing and trusting in him leads to freedom. That's what we believe. Isn't that what Jesus said in this very text in John 8? Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The, the Pharisees said, you know, we're Abraham's children. What, what are you talking about? We don't need to be set free. Oh my goodness, they had no idea how captive they were. Captive to their own desires, their own inclinations. Here's what Jesus was saying. He says, once you know me, once you embrace this truth that God's the source of all truth, that it's through his revelation of himself to this world that you truly come face to face with truth. Once you embrace that truth and you accept it in your life, then you are set free so that you can live a life as God designed you to live. You can live purposefully. 
You'll be set free from selfishness and, and low living and brokenness and all that imprisons us. You're offered a brand new life that'll last forever. And it begins right here, right now, an abundant life, Jesus will say in this very gospel in John 10. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. You know, every time somebody joins our church here at First Baptist, one of the things we do is we, we quote this passage over them from Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. It's actually inscribed over these doors here uh, to my right and to your left. Whenever that happens, we quote the scripture over them. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. The very next verse says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Do you hear what Paul says? Paul says when... when when um, he says hollow and deceptive philosophy, whenever you embrace it, it doesn't set you free, it holds you captive. But if you embrace the truth, you're set free. That's the difference. And so that's why this is so important for us to embrace, to recognize the ultimate source of truth. It's hard to do. It's hard to do in a, in a culture that's just awash in in relativity, where everything just blends together, where people are unwilling to, to sometimes embrace the distinctiveness of truth or even acknowledge it. You may have read about the house of one that's being constructed in Berlin right now. They've already laid the cornerstone and it's a, it's a Protestant group combined with a Jewish group combined with a Muslim group and they want to come together in one house and that's where they're going to worship with different expressions, but coming to a deeper, richer understanding of one another. Well, on the one hand, it sounds good. But on the other hand, what I would say is, is that the testimony of Christianity is that we're supposed to speak truth into every perspective, not just find common ground. Common ground is good to try to accomplish certain things, maybe in a community. But at the end of the day, we as Christians are there to reflect truth, to embrace truth, to understand truth, and speak truth because truth is powerful, because truth is what sets people free. That's what Jesus said. So let me just close with this. One of the reasons that we believe the Bible is so pivotal to all of this is because that's where the message is found for us. Let me read you this quote from Warren Cole Smith, John Stone Street. They've written this book called Restoring All Things. Here's what they say. The Bible is both the story of God and the true story of the world. So the Bible is not or merely a book about how to have a better life or how to handle life's problems. It is a book that explains the universe and how God is in the process of redeeming and restoring it to its original good, true, and beautiful state. I love that. Does the Bible help you find a better life? Yes. Does the Bible speak to your life's problems? Yes. But this is a book that explains the universe <laughs> and how God is at work in it. So in that very book, they tell the story of how Leslie Newbegin had taken the message of the gospel to India many years ago. And after he had had a conversation with a Hindu religious leader, Here's what the Hindu religious leader said back to Leslie Newbegin after reading the Bible for the very first time. 
This Hindu leader says this, I can't understand why you missionaries present the Bible to us in India as a book of religion. It's not a book of religion. And anyway, we have plenty of books of religion in India. We don't need any more. I find in your Bible a, a unique interpretation of universal history, the history of the whole of creation and the history of the human race, and therefore a unique interpretation of the human person as a responsible actor in history. This is unique. There is nothing else in the whole religious literature of the world to put alongside it. I could not have said it better myself. The Bible, it is the story of creation. It is the story of humanity. It is the story. It is the revelation of God. And God has revealed himself to us through his world, through his spirit, through his word, and through the word. So let me encourage you this morning. Receive the truth. Embrace the truth. And the truth, like Jesus said, will set you free. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you've revealed yourself to us so clearly and so personally and so powerfully. And I ask, Lord, that the people within the sound of my voice today, that they will embrace the truth of your revelation, ultimately revealed to us, certainly through Jesus, and they will be set free. May it be so. In the name of Jesus himself, we pray. Amen and amen.